Once you're seated, take your Bibles, if you will, please. Jeremiah chapter number 18. We're glad to see each one of you in God's house tonight, this morning, excuse me. Whatever time of the day it is, it's good to be in God's house. <laughs> if you're visiting with us, you need to come back and hear the preacher. Because this is what you call the second string. All right. Now, there is no second string when it comes to the Lord, but I'm not called to be a preacher. Well, let's rephrase it. I'm not called to be a pastor. All of us are called to preach. That's what the Bible says. We're in Jeremiah chapter 18. <clears throat> a familiar passage this morning, but perhaps a passage that we are too familiar with. It's, it's quite common for uh, adults who have grown up in church to know all the verses, to have heard all the sermons, to preach what the preacher is going to preach before he gets there, to know the verse when he says the reference. And sometimes we miss the wonderful power of God's Word because we're just familiar now, in most cases, familiarity is good. But it's always wise of us to go back and to read things we've already read before to see what else God has for us. The Word of God is alive. It teaches us every time we open it. And if we're wise, we'll spend our days in God's Word. Now, obviously, we all have a job. And so you can't read God's Word all day long, every, long, every day. But that allows us to memorize God's Word. And take it with us. So as we look here in Jeremiah chapter 18, a very familiar story, God speaks to the prophet Jeremiah and tells him to go down to the potter's house. There have been a number of messages preached about the potter's house, a number of messages that I have heard. But as we look at this this morning, Lord willing, I'd like to speak to you about the idea of making vessels unto honor. Uh, that phrase, making vessels unto honor, does not come from this passage. But the foundation for that statement begins here. Now, if, if you are unaware, the prophet Jeremiah is speaking to the nation of Israel. Uh, and God is going to use an object lesson. I find with our children we use object lessons, don't we? we because sometimes they don't, they don't understand why or what's going on. Uh, my son Liam is in that stage. Why is the favorite word? And it's not because he's trying to be annoying or trying to be uh, nagging. He really just wants to know. Because there's a lot of things he hasn't accumulated in his knowledge base yet. And yet, I find when I use object lessons with him, I have to use something he's, he could already understand. He wanted to know the other day why, why, I wouldn't buy him a quad that has a motor because he has a quad that has a battery in it, Brother Bill. And he's already figured out how to drift that thing and peel out and whip the tail end around all on his own. I didn't teach him any of it. it was, I don't know if it's natural or if he watched too many car movies on the television. And when I saw him doing that, I said, he's never getting a quad with a motor in it because he'll die or he'll end up in a hospital. But he said, Dad, why? I said, well, it has too much power. What's power? 
It's what makes you go fast. Why can't I go faster? Because you hurt yourself. No, I won't. And I said, that sounds familiar. And I, I told him, I said, you're not ready for that. Well, when will I be ready? I said, son, I don't know. I've learned after six kids, you don't give them an age because when they get to the age, they may not be ready. Well, they may be ready before, but they probably won't be ready. And so God uses a picture with the nation of Israel, something they would understand to illustrate a wonderful truth that we can learn from today. You see, God is trying to make each one of us into a vessel that brings him honor. This morning before the choir came out, we prayed that God would get glory out of this morning's service. That's our goal. Whether the choir sounds great or the choir doesn't sound great, whether the sermon's a flop or it's okay, we want God to get the glory. Because if we get, our, if we get the glory, we've wasted our time. We might as well have gone to the Cracker Barrel already. But God's glory is what we're after. And so as we read here in Jeremiah chapter 18, beginning in verse number 1, we look at a, a, a picture, an object lesson, if you will, that God uses with the nation of Israel. And we can learn from today. Let's read Jeremiah chapter 18, verse number 1. The Bible says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise, and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord. Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. At what instant shall I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it? If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation to con- and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, If it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good. Therewith I said, I would benefit them. Now therefore go to speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord. Behold, I frame evil against you and devise a device against you. Return ye now every one from his evil way and make your ways and your doings good. Oh, Father, would you speak to us this morning? We desperately need your presence and your power. Father, this is not something I can do on my own. So, Lord, would you speak through me? Would you guide my thoughts and my words? May I say only what you once said. Father, most of all, would you be honored and glorified? May we understand what you want us to change. May we take action. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. Speak to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The the potter's house is not an unfamiliar location to most people in Israel. Understand back in the time period of of the nation of Israel, uh, pottery is one of the only forms of storage they have. They don't have Tupperware, right? They don't have saran wrap and tinfoil. 
right? Clay is what we have. And so most of the vessels you would find in an Israeli household would be clay. And they were made by a potter. Uh, The process of making uh, a clay pot is relatively simple in concept, but it is fraught with all kinds of possible mistakes. Uh, The potter would go down to a uh, clay deposit somewhere in the ground, and he would scoop out clay. Typically, the clay would be pretty hard. Sometimes it would even be in rock form. And he'd take it and he'd powderize it. And once he, once he powderized it, he would then add water to it and let it soak. And as it soaked and came to the right consistency, then he would have the clay that you and I are familiar with that we buy at Walmart, right? where it's pliable and it's soft and you can make stuff out of it. And then he would begin to shape it. Now, you may, not, uh, you may have been like me where we play with clay or Play-Doh and you make something, you're like, wow, that's really bad looking. Good thing I don't do this for a living. And then you look at these wonderful pots that are made in history. You go to a museum, you see these, these beautiful vase things that they turned. And it's like, oh man, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even think to begin how to do that. But it began with a process. And God had a message here that would make sense to the, to, to the children of Israel and also to us. And so as we look at this this morning, we want to look at the object lesson that we can learn. And it's a very clear lesson. I want to point out to you, first of all, this morning, as we look here in verse number two, God gives Jeremiah a command. He says, arise and go down to the potter's house. And we say, yes, Jeremiah is given, Jeremiah's given an order. And he says, God says, go. So there's action. We have to be active. That's, that's true, but, but I want you to, to, to pay attention to what happens. He goes to the potter's house and he observes what's happening And then God speaks to him. But God doesn't speak to him and give him the message until he goes to the potter's house. You see, in each one of our lives, God's given us direction. Each of us at different stages of our life have been given direction to do this or to to be involved in that or to make better decisions in this area or to change this. And see, our, 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 our decisions affect what will happen. He says in verse number two that it'll cause him to hear his words. And so as we look at this, I want to point out to you, first of all, this morning, that when we're making vessels unto honor, when God, excuse me, is making vessels unto honor, it happens at a specific location. It happens at a specific location. You say, well, what kind of place does it happen? Well, first of all, I want, I want to point out to you that when we're making, uh, when, when Jeremiah goes to the potter's house, it's a place of creation. You understand that the application here to the children of Israel is you need to listen to what God's telling you to do and you need to obey. But the application to us today is very similar. What is God teaching us to do? You see, if we come to church and we listen and say, wow, what a wonderful sermon, or wow, what a terrible sermon, either way, and we leave and we haven't changed anything or God hasn't spoken to us, we haven't taken action on what God's told us to do, we've wasted our time. We haven't accomplished anything. The purpose of coming to God's, word, to God's house to hear God's word on Sunday morning is to be changed. That's our goal. And when we go to the potter's house, what do we see? We see change happening. We see the potter taking something that no one else would really like and making something beautiful out of it. There's a lesson there. But there's a place of creation. If we look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you don't have to turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17, the Bible tells us that when God comes into our life, we're made into a new creature. 
It doesn't mean, well, this is the new and improved model. This is version two. No, it's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God takes what we were and makes us into what we should be. It's a different vessel, a different creature, according to 2 Corinthians. And we say, okay, well, why is creation happening? Well, without chasing the analogy too far, I think in the potter's house we can see a point of salvation where we are changed from what we used to be to what we can be. You find all through the scriptures that God uses clay as a picture of the human nature, the, the, the fleshly sinful part of us. Uh, and we find that when we talk about clay, uh, it, it has so many imperfections. If you've done any kind, of, any kind of pottery work, it's not easy. Even if you're artistic and you, you do exactly everything right, there are impurities in clay. There are little pebbles in clay. Sometimes there's air bubbles in clay. Sometimes the consistency is not right. And so many things can possibly derail this. And that's why Jeremiah is sent down to this house so that God can use this as an illustration of the master potter and what he can do with the life. This specific location is not just a place of creation. It's also a place of submission. You have your Bibles. Turn to Romans chapter number 9. And we'll come back to Romans here uh, in a while, but Romans chapter 9 uh, is another passage uh, in the New Testament that speaks to the idea of clay and pottery. Romans chapter 9, again referencing Israel's rejection of the Messiah. Verse number 20, the Bible says, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay? Of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor. You ever ask God that question? Or why? Now, there are some, I find in, in my life, I don't usually ask, why, God, did you do this? It's more, <laughs> why did you make me like this? Because we know God has a purpose in everything, right? You ever look in the mirror and say, God, why? Why like this? All right? Now, if it makes you feel better, God designs each one of us for a specific purpose. And one day we'll have a physical, perfect body. I was talking to Miss Sandra this week. Pastor was preaching last Sunday, about and Sunday evening about going to heaven. What happens when a believer goes to heaven? And it never struck me before. I felt like a I felt like a juvenile, Brother Earl. I'm I'm young. I know I'm young. I got it. I have parts on me that don't work very well. That I get up and I do the, you know, the hobble thing to get everything moving, and then we're okay. We kind of even out. Most of you are in that vein already with me. All right. This is the only time we're going to have to worry about that. Because once we leave this life, the old soccer injuries, the old football injuries, the old construction injuries, <laughs> they're not there anymore. So you won't ever have to worry about Brother Johnny getting up out of bed in heaven. Well, we ain't going to be sleeping, but if we were. If we're sitting on the porch and you get up out of your chair, you don't have to do that. And make sure everything's ready to go before you take off walking. No. <laughs> Brother Johnny, just hop out that chair and go on. Why? 
because God will give us what's perfect. Now, it's a place of creation, but also in Romans chapter 9, we find a place of submission. A place of submission. Why? Just because the potter has the clay and wants to create doesn't mean that's what's going to happen. Because each one of us makes a choice. We're going to talk about this this evening. One of my greatest fears as a parent is that I teach my kids right, but they decide to do wrong. Scares me to death. But you know what, Brother Johnny? I can't make that decision for him. But I have a God. I have a God who knows what's best. And if I teach them to love him, that's where I win. We'll get to that tonight. But this submission is so very important that we say, you know what? What God has for me is what I want. I need to submit myself to him and allow him to do as he pleases. If we read Jeremiah chapter 29, what does the Bible tell us? That God has a plan and that he has an expected end he's taking us to. God knows exactly where we're going. And when we reach our destination, it will be exactly what he wants for us. So it's a place of creation, a place of submission, but then also a place of cleansing. I mentioned to you already that clay has a lot of impurities in it. Look here in in Jeremiah chapter 18, verse number 14 says, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. It doesn't mean the potter made a mistake. It doesn't mean the the, the potter was forming a clay and all of a sudden, oops. No, it means he found an impurity. He found a foreign object. And he said, well, before we go any farther, we got to deal with that. We got to take care of that. I hope the Lord's done that in your life. The Lord says, hey, we're going to, oh, hold on. We got to deal with this right now. It was marred. The word mar uh, has the idea of corrupt or waste. Something that's in our life that is not conducive to the goal God has for us. It's a natural impurity. It's already in the clay. It's not that he wasn't doing, the potter wasn't doing what he was supposed to, and he dropped it on the ground and picked up some rocks and some cat hair and a couple of pieces of dirt, and now it's in there, and he's got to, no, this is something that's already in the clay when he pulls it out of the ground. Now, the potter doesn't find all of the mistakes when the clay is on the wheel. He doesn't. Because some of the impurities are only found when the clay is put in the fire. We'll get there. Now, I was working on, on, on this, and a phrase ran through my mind. You've seen it. I, I've seen it. Uh, so the picture in my mind is a picture I saw at Lowe's. Forgive me about talking about home improvement during church. It's a, it was a little cactus. Somebody must have knocked it over, and it was kind of beat up on the one side and somebody put a sticker on it and said damaged but adorable and I was like what no this is the one we put in the, the little cart out by the door it says please buy me I'm only 25 cents for this cactus that used to be five dollars because it's it's not going to live but at least you'll feel good about buying it cheap <laughs> the truth of the matter is a lot of us live our like that <laughs> brother Earl I'm damaged but adorable. <laughs> we were at a birthday party last night, and somebody said, "Well, that Mila, she's cute." I'm like, hey, "Don't buy it. <laughs> that ain't the whole story." And she's adorable, but mm, she's a sinner just like her daddy. 
And you know what we find? Each one of us is damaged. That's why we need Christ. If we weren't damaged, we had no need of a Savior. We showed up damaged. And Christ is the one that fixes us. Now, no damage is too great for our Savior to heal or to repair. But this is where the analogy breaks down. The clay can say, ha, I don't want to. Brother Foster talked about this in teen class this morning. Where we say to God, no, I don't think that's a good idea. The, as Christians, we can say that. Now, it's extremely unwise. But we can say that. You'd be like the potter's in there working, all of a sudden the clay just says, I'm out, jumps off it and runs out the door. He said, come on, Mr. David. Some of us do that, don't we? We get to the point in the message where God's, this is what needs to be fixed. We're like, you know what, I'm, I'm not okay with that. And we turn the volume down. And we sit there, and when the service comes, we come out and say, hey, preacher, have a great day, and walk out the door. I know because I've done it. You see, it's a place of cleansing. We get rid of the stuff. But something else you need to know, and that all the damaged pottery, so he may find impurities when it's on the wheel, and then we stop, we take the impurities out, and we continue to form. But some of the impurities only show up when we put it in the kiln, or we place it under a high degree of heat, and then sometimes there's an air pocket. And it bursts and it breaks. You say, oh, well, clay gets thrown out. We throw it in the junk pile. And we do. But you know what that junk pile is used for? Remember I told you at the beginning the potter goes and gets the clay out of the earth and he smashes it into a powder and then adds water? You know what he else puts in that solution? Pulverized broken pieces of clay to give it the adhesion that it needs to make the proper quality potter. Say, Mr. Davies, you don't understand what I've been through. You're right. I don't. But God does. And there's never a reason when we can say, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm too far gone. God can't help me. God doesn't care about me. You see, this is a place of cleansing where we can get fixed. You remember, and we'll jump off the tracks here a little bit. You don't have to turn there. First Peter chapter 2, verse number 2. The Bible says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. You know what that word sincere means? It's a pottery word. It means without filler, without makeup, without disguise. You say, what's that mean? Well, you remember that old potter when he puts it in the kiln? Sometimes that pot doesn't go... Sometimes it just develops a little bit of crack. Well, in Bible times, we didn't say, well, it's not perfect. Throw it in the trash. We'll buy another one at the Walmart. No. It still is okay. It just you can't put water in it. can't make sauerkraut in it. You can't do anything with liquid in it. But we can put grain in it. And so when the potter went to sell it, you know what he did, Brother Bill? He didn't, he didn't leave that crack there because that's bad advertising. He took him a little wax, mixed a little bit of clay powder in there, and he smeared it in that thing. So he heated up just enough so it looked good. Sometimes I do that when I come to church. I just put a little wax in there and make it look good. Oh, I had a great week, Miss Sandra. <laughs> if you could see the Lord stand next to me, you'd be like, okay, sure he did. But you know what happened when that potter took those pots to market to sell? He'd have two groups. 
he'd have that group over there that had a little wax in the crack. You could use, but not for liquid. And they had a group called Sincere. You see, when we come to God and He works on us, there's cleansing that happens. And this cleansing is without filler. It's real. There's no mistaking that God has done something. You see, when it says He made it again, it doesn't mean He threw it out and started over with a new piece of clay. He said, okay, just because you have scars in your life, just because you've been through some stuff, guess what? That doesn't mean you're not eligible to be used by God. It means it's time for you to get past it and move on. Let's do something for Christ. And only Christ can do that. I can come along and say, well, Brother Bill, let's just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Let's get going and get something done. That may or may not be the right answer. But God knows. So it's not just happening at a specific location. When God is forming vessels unto his honor. It doesn't just happen at a specific location. Let's look also with specific tools. What does the Bible say? Look at verse number three. Then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. Potters have all different types of tools that they use to form the clay into what it should be. Sometimes the Lord will use just a gentle reminder. Hey, that's not what we ought to be doing. Sometimes the Lord will use a friend saying, you know, that might not be a good choice. Often he'll use his word where God says, this is for you. Sometimes the Lord has to get a little louder to get our attention. One of the things that I, 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 was, I was raised in a way where my dad never yelled, ever. But when he spoke, you better listen, or you might not make it to tomorrow, right? And my dad, my dad always spoke in a quiet tone of voice. He didn't raise his voice, except for on one or two occasions. And it wasn't because he was angry. It's because if he talked in his normal tone of voice, he couldn't be heard. I do this in my house. You all know I have five girls. My wife tried to get Liam to be quiet last night for 30 seconds. Couldn't do it. Couldn't handle it. She said, just be quiet and listen for silence. What silence? If you're quiet, you'll hear it. She said, okay, you ready? 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 We're taking a walk. So you got to be quiet from this to that one over there. He's like, okay. Ready? Go. As soon as he was quiet, Myla started talking. You know what happens? Sometimes God uses things in our life that are louder than others. I love for the Lord to speak to me during my devotions. Why? Because that's the still small voice. I don't want to get to the point where God has to get louder with me. He'll do it. But I desire to hear God's word at the point in which he first speaks to me. Why? Because I want him to use the gentle tools. If you look up pottery, or let me rephrase that, if you look up a potter online, most of the pictures you're going to see 
are of the potter's hands shaping the clay. I want you to think about that. He's shaping the clay gently, slowly. He's not saying, okay, now we're going to do it. No, he's doing it gently. Why? That's how a potter works. That's how God works with us. God doesn't say, okay, we're changing everything now. Why? Because he knows we couldn't handle that. One, one, one thing at a time. Let's get our heart right. And then let's work on getting our attitude right. And then let's work on getting our actions right. You see, it happens with specific tools. God uses circumstances in our life to form us into the vessel that he wants, a vessel that can bring him honor. Please understand that each circumstance you face is custom designed for you. Custom designed. See, I wish I wish I could be like the guys in the Bible. I want to walk on water like Peter. No, that's not designed for you. I've often thought, wonder, Brother Earl, if I was in the boat, would I even have the nerve to say, if it's thou, bid me come unto thee? I don't know, Brother Earl. There's a storm. Drowning is a terrible way to go from what I've heard. Anyway, it's a terrible way to go. God didn't design that for me. You see, it happens with, at a specific location. It happens with specific tools. But then, please understand, number three, it happens with a specific goal in mind. There are two phrases in, this, in these first six verses of this chapter that show us what God's goal is. Now, it's not a specific goal in this passage, but it will be in your life. It will be a specific goal for you. Now, what the goal is uh, for, for Brother Bill will not be the goal for me. Why? Brother Bill's lived longer than I have. He's at a different stage of life. His goal will be different than mine. Because God designs our goals for us for this moment. Our goals can't always be the same. But look what it says. In verse number three, it says that the potter, and I don't want you to miss this, the potter wrought a work on the wheel. He wrought a work. What does that mean? The potter already knows where we're going. He already knows what the goal is. I'm just going to make this piece of clay into a bowl. We read Romans chapter 8, verse number 29. What's it say? For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. He said, well, what's my general goal as a Christian? To be like Christ. In every way, to be like Christ. Last year, that was our theme, to be like Jesus. Why? Well, because he's holy and then we'll be perfect. Well, maybe. But also it might be that we, we distinguish ourselves from the world around us. And point others to the potter. One of the things that you find is that if you look at, and I have not done this to any extent, but if you look at pottery, you can tell whether the potter had any skill or not. You can tell if the potter was an amateur, right? Looks like a three-year-old made it, right? Or you can, wow, some of the, some of the, the pottery from thousands of years ago 
are worth millions of dollars. Why? Because they're well made by people who knew what they're doing. But I submit to you that there's never been any kind of pottery that matches the quality that God put into you. And so if God put it into you, he had a plan. And his plan is for you to be conformed to the image of his son. And if you're, conformed to, if you're working on being conformed to the image of his son, that's the direction we're supposed to be going. But not just you're out of work. I want you to look at this. The end of verse number four, it, sees, it says, So he made it again another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make it. The potter is not deterred by your decisions. Don't miss this. Growing up, we were taught when we were in teen group, God has a specific person for you to marry. And I thought, well, what happens if the one that I'm supposed to marry marries somebody else on accident? Then I'm stuck solo for the rest of my life. This is a terrible idea. And then... As I got older, I began to understand what they're trying to say. They're trying to say, don't go see whatever else is out there to try and fit, see what works for you. Wait on God. He'll bring you the one that he has for you. They say, well, what happens if I, I get out of the Lord's will and then I go live, live in the world a while? And then my future spouse marries somebody else? Then I got to marry somebody else that's not the one that God has? And then what? Notice what the potter says. It didn't say he took it, chucked it out in the yard and says, we're going to start another new piece. He said he made another vessel. The potter hit something that the clay wouldn't give. Wouldn't give up. Wouldn't turn loose of it. So what did he do? He said, well, that doesn't mean I'm done. It just means we're going to have to adjust. So that means when God's working in my life and because... I'm not right with God. I say, God, I'm not willing to give that up. That's mine. That's my area of my life. God says, okay. But I can't do what the plan was because of what you decided to do. That doesn't mean I'm done. We're going to try something else. See, that's our God. There's, there's very rarely a point where God says, you know what? I'm done. Think of, he's, he's talking to the nation of Israel, right? You read the book of Judges. Well, we're not going to chase that rabbit. You, the nation of Israel didn't listen very well. They didn't learn hardly at all. And they continued just like we do, down the road again and again and again and again. And eventually God says, okay, time for captivity. But God didn't say, well, since you didn't listen, you're going to the captivity. You're on your own. He said, you're going to captivity, but it's not going to be permanent. There's coming a day when God will pick up Israel again. And all things considered, you ought to be thankful that God's going to pick up Israel again. This is what makes him God. So we have a specific location, specific tools, a specific goal, and then last of all this morning, Specific application. Turn back to Romans chapter 9 with me, would you? Romans chapter 9. We read a couple verses here earlier. Verse 
This is the so what. The so what of this morning. The so what of the example of pottery. This is what God is after. Let's read Romans chapter 9, verse number 20. We've already read a couple of these verses. The Bible says, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing form say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What? If God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. You read verse 22 and 23 in the context of the crucifixion. It'll give you a little light. Jesus Christ suffered all things on the cross for us. Why? So that he might show mercy to those people whom he prepared eternity for. And who did he prepare heaven for? Everyone. Don't you buy into this, well, God picks them. He eeny, meeny, miny, moe everybody that's going to be there. You read your Bible, that's not the truth. We've talked about that. But now look, when we talk about pottery and we talk about Scripture, there are three things that we can apply this to. First of all, God has absolute authority in your life and in my life to tell us what we should not and should do. You say, well, Mr. Davies, I knew that. I know, you know that just like I know that. It's up here. It's got to get down here. It's got to get to there where I'm sitting there and the Lord says, I don't think we ought to be doing this. And I say, you're right, Lord. Not my will, but thine be done. He has complete authority. But also, God has comprehensive ability. Don't ever let anyone tell you you're not exactly how God designed you to be. We live in a generation, and it's not new to us. We live in a world where if you're not like so-and-so, or you don't match up to this, or you don't have this standard of living, or you don't participate in this, well, you're just not part of the group. You know, you got to be like us. And everybody, well, I want to be my own kind of person, so we're going to look like everybody else, and we're going to do what everybody else does. You know what they're searching for? Validation. They want somebody to say, you know what? You're just like you're supposed to be. We're okay with who you are. You read God's word. God designed you exactly like you are. He designed your personality, your quirks, the things you struggle with, the things you're good at. Why? So that we might be conformed to the image of his son. So he has complete authority comprehensive ability but this is the overriding principle when we look at this this idea of pottery last of all god has commanding affection you understand that god's love is the foundation of his relationship with us god's love is the foundation of his relationship with us without his love there's no calvary without his love there's no potter why would he change us if he didn't love us 
You look at the religions around the world, the Bible is the only book that tells us of a God who loves his creation enough to die for. That's love. It's the foundation of our relationship with him, but also God's love guides everything that he does. That means God wants to do something in my life, and I say, no, that's mine. It's my area. I'm not giving it up. And then God comes back again and says, you know, you really ought to change. And I say, you know, Lord, you're right. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I've sinned. God says, oh, good. We can move forward again. I'm so excited. Hey, we need to model this to our children, parents. As a parent, I'm very good at saying, ah, don't do that. But my flesh has a hard time of letting go when they get it right. My memory is longer than God's is. God loves us and he forgives. We get in sin, we say, Lord, forgive me. It's gone. God doesn't bury the hatchet and leave the handle sticking out for next time. God puts our sin as far as the east is from the west in the depth of the sea. It's gone. Because love is the foundation and it guides everything that he does. God desires to mold us into vessels of honor. And he has specific methods in which he uses to do this. And as we look at the potter's house and we study the actions and the attitudes of the potter, we find that we have a loving God who desires to mold us into a vessel that brings honor to him. That's his goal. So then the question is, so what? That's a wonderful story. We're so glad you taught us that. What's the point? The question we have to ask ourselves is, what is the potter doing in your life? What's he doing for you? Are you allowing him to mold you? Are you submitting to his plan for for your life? Or do you say, well, Lord, I'm okay with this, but not with that part over there. Perhaps today you haven't come to the point where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're not willing to let him even work on you. If that's the problem, that has to be resolved. Why? Because the Bible says that we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed to be able to be back here tonight. What's God asking us to do? What's God asking you to do? Remember, if we come in and we have wonderful service, what a wonderful time, and we don't change anything, we've wasted our time. Thank the Lord for a potter who loves us enough to mold us again.